This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League and Champions League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Guys, today we're joined by Kamal, who is a Chelsea fan out of Orlando. Kamal, what a good time to come to the podcast. We've got two wins on the bounce, and we've qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. <laughs> well, firstly, thanks for having me. Um, I know I've been on before, and like like I told Rahul at the time, I'm definitely a fan of your content. Been listening, been a subscriber for a long, long time. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, like you said, perfect timing. If, if the results are gone otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, Rahul and I tell ourselves that all the time. Maybe this is the last episode. <laughs> maybe it's the last episode. And guys, it's been a particularly tough few months, but back-to-back wins, nothing sweeter. And Rahul, bring you in here. Happy with that result against Dortmund? I most certainly am. I wasn't. I guess I was expecting it because I did predict a three-one, but uh, it was the biggest game of the season, and we definitely delivered. And I'm happy to welcome Kamal back to the podcast. Uh, I feel like I'm in Chelsea royalty right now, which is not a bad company to keep. Not oh, bad please. company at all. <laughs> There's so, none Kamal, of that. We typically, we, we typically break down the team and kind of go through the starting eleven. But before we go through that. I want to get your thoughts and your feelings before the game. Was this a game you thought we could win? Did you think that this was something Graham Potter would get right, the team would get right? How was your feeling build up towards the game? Yeah, I felt like just based on the first leg that we were so much better than them in like every aspect of the game. Besides that one counter, like that's all they did the entire game. So I was like, you know what? I'm confident, but... There's always that skepticism coming in when it comes to Chelsea because you never know. Um, and just based on Leeds, it was like the performance there was so-so and you're like, oof, you never really know. But at the same time, confident was there. I did think it was going to go to extra time. That was my mm-hmm. internal thing. I thought it was just going to be 1-0 and then extra time and maybe we'll, you know, one not come off then. But overall confident that we would have gone through at some point. Yeah, your thinking is probably what a lot of Chelsea fans were thinking. Raul and I had this running joke of when was the last time you've seen Chelsea score two goals in the last couple of months? And so definitely we predicted it. I think, like you said, we had a lot of confidence going into it because of the previous game and winning against Leeds just helped kind of build that turning point for us here. Raul, I'll come to you. Why don't you go ahead and get us through the starting 11 and maybe a little bit of praise for keeping with the same formation for the first time in a while. Yeah, absolutely. So Kepa keeps his spot in goal. Fofana, Koulibaly, Kukurea as a left-sided centre-back. we got to talk about him. Reese James back, Enzo Fernandez, Kovacic, Ben Chowell as the four in midfield. And then up top, as we had predicted, it was uh, Raheem Sterling, Kai Havertz, and Jao Felix. So he goes with the back three again, which is fantastic. And I'm going to go straight into the Kukurea mix over here. Kamal, I'll come to you for a second. Kukurea has taken a lot of stick, and right. sometimes it's borderline... I don't want to say unfair, but it's actually very toxic is probably the better word to go with. He had a very, very good performance. He actually man of the match against Dortmund. What have you made of his time so far? And how did you feel about his performance in Dortmund? Um, So to start off with, when we signed him, I was ecstatic because I was like, mm-hmm. you know, just based on his time at Brighton, you thought that this was, you know, this was the, the depth we needed. Unfortunately, up until yesterday, you think maybe this hasn't really worked out. But he was... Fantastic yesterday. It was, you know, he's he went back to the Cucurella we know where we were chanting his name with the Estrella chants and stuff like that. But <laughs> like, he was he was great. He didn't put a foot wrong. I think the entire fan base was just like that's 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 the guy we expected this whole time. And yeah, he mentioned today, if I'm not mistaken, or it was yesterday, that you know he just come out and said it. You know, he had some personal things go on in his life, and I think. As fans, I'm I'm one of them too. I, I'll be honest, but Rahul knows because he sees my tweets. I'm just I'm very reactionary, and so right. like, admittedly, and so I think as fans we just forget, or there's a period within us where we just don't care because we're like we're yeah. fans. No, oh, you should be better. Um, but yeah, so he's he's clearly gone through some stuff, and hopefully this is the turning point for his time, you know, with us, and he kicks on from here. Yeah, look, even as fans, I think we wake up on a Saturday, Sunday, and we go for a kickabout. And no matter what problems we have, 
football helps helps us forget that. But you you forget that this is a job for them and it's kind of weighing on them and there's so many other things going on. But Rahul, I'll come to you. Not the biggest fan of Kukurea the last few months, but yesterday, immense, immense performance. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you know what you're in Kamala saying. A uh, little bit suspicious that he was starting. Uh, I think we had said Chaloba would start as the third center back, which would be a more natural fit. Uh, but we have seen Kukurea play as a left-sided center back, especially at Brighton. So uh, we're, we were all hoping going into it that we would see what we had seen at Brighton, and we certainly did see that. Uh, but I do have to give a lot of credit to Ben Showell, who yeah. almost complements his style, Kukurea style. Uh, and sometimes when Kukurea gets dragged out of position, Ben reads that and says, you know what, I'll fill in. And that's yeah. the benefit of having a left back play as a left wing back who can not only attack, but then do the defensive side of the work. Uh, and so, again, I, I think Kamal said it. We've got to kick on from here. Kukurea has got to kick on from here. Uh, but with both of those playing as on that left side, I think we're we're looking good for now. Yeah, and Graham Potter said he wanted a left-footed centre-back, and so in this case he goes with Kukurea, which seems to have done the trick and does the job. I love that you went into Ben Chowell because I wanted to talk about wing-backs as part of this starting eleven. Kamal, we've had a lot of success with wing-backs, mm-hmm. specifically Reese James and Ben Chowell in this case. We've missed them for a lot of the season hopefully they can stay fit they can stay fit for a long period of time and go on a run with us do you think they are pivotal to the way Chelsea play in this system I, I think it's not even a question to be fair it's it's so evident you know Reese James goes out and you know I love I love Dave but come on he's he's so unfortunately yeah I hate to criticize but he's like quote-unquote washed at this level now he just he just can't do it and then you know we Cucurella he isn't really the attacking wing back. He's never been that. Yeah. So I think we have this misconception that he should just be able to do the things that Chilwell does. But he's just that's just not his game. Um so yeah, they're they're vital and you see it, you know, they come in if even formation depending, it's just they change everything. They've just got the dynamics the, the dynamism to bomb up up and down the you know, the wings all day long, stamina, tackles, crosses, everything. They're just so complete, both of them. So when they're healthy, it's it's night and day difference. Yeah, I think you said the right words there. They're they're pretty much athletes outside of just being football players. They're just fantastic athletes that get up and down the ground. Rahul, I want to talk about the center backs. I mean, Kulabali did well. He's been in the Champions League squad recently, and I think he deserves a little bit of praise. But Wesley Fofana mm. is an absolute breath of fresh air. I mean, we talk about athletes, and I said this in the last game. This guy is something else if and when he stays fit. Yeah, he he's a monster. That's that's all I can say. He's a monster because uh, with the injuries he's had, with the setbacks he's had this season, he's just come back and fit right in. And he goes into tackles. He doesn't really care who he's taking out, if it's the, the stewardess on the side or if it's the opposition player. He'll yeah. just take everyone out. Uh, and it it's refreshing to see because I think we grew up, I think all three of us, I can speak for us, we grew up with the likes of John Terry and, mm-hmm. and Cavalio, who, who obviously were good defenders, but... At the end of the day, they would put their body on the line. They would do whatever it takes to to stop a goal going in. Uh, and Fofana reminds me a little bit of that. And he's come in, and I think maybe the, he's also one of the reasons we've switched to the back three and are able to play that formation. Mm. He's come in, and he's able to read the game. He's able to complement. I say I said that on the left. He's able to complement Reese James yeah. uh, and provide the cover when we need it when he goes forward. So. I maybe I'm getting a little bit carried away, but it almost feels like we found a little bit of a formula for keeping clean sheets and, and yeah. just being a little more solid at the base and then allowing the attacking guys to do what they do. Yeah, look, the word you use compliment, I think, is fantastic because you talk about in this case Reese James and Fafana. And I know when he was joining Chelsea, you could see there was a relationship right before there. They were kind of tweeting back and forth or kind of sharing Instagram posts. I think at one point they got a similar haircut with a heart in the back of their hair, which you could see that that from off the pitch antics translates to on the pitch because it's you're playing with your mate now. That's my friend. I know what he's going to do. I know where he's going to be. If he stepped up high, I'll cover him. If he steps up low, I'll come back, whatever the situation may be. So it looks really, really nice, especially in the defense. Let's talk about the, the front three guys because I think the pivot – is looking like it's pretty solid now. Kovacic and Enzo complement each other as well. That word there again. Havertz. Lots of, lots of, lots of negativity around Kai Havertz as a number nine. 
I'm not going to say more than that. Kamal, your thoughts on Havertz and his performance yesterday? It, it, Havertz is so complicated. Like that's probably the best way I can put it. It's, it's, it, there's so much. You you see it. You see so much talent inside him, and it's yeah. just like, come on, like I want to see you put together a 90 minute performance of just yeah. being great. And then there's moments here and there, and like he hits the post, and you're like, here, here we go again. Like this is just going to happen. And then the penalty, and he hits the post again, and you're like, you know what? In the moment, I think I tweeted it like, I'm done. I'm just done. And then he gets to retake it, and he scores, and it's like, all right, here we go. But to answer your question, throughout the 90 minutes, he was fantastic. And it's just, you, you want to see more of that. It was like, come on. like I know this is a big game, but why, I want to see it week in, week out. I want to see it against West Ham away. I want to see it against Palace. I want to see all the – every you, you're capable. He knows he's capable. It's just finding that consistency with him. But yeah. yeah, overall, fantastic yesterday. Yeah, and hopefully that this formation change will do that where he can drop a little bit deeper and not necessarily play as a nine and bring in the other likes of Jao Felix and Sterling. Rahul, I'll talk about Sterling next because we're going to talk about the goal. Jao Felix, are you signing him? Are you going to call Papa Boli and say, get the money out? You know, that's a difficult one for me to answer because I know earlier this season i was like yes 100 percent, we've got to do mm-hmm. it and, and i'm not like i've changed my mind completely but i'm almost thinking like do we need to spend that money more on a on an out and out forward mm. uh but again money seems to be no object for for bullies <laughs> by whoever he needs to buy so uh it depends on the deal i think if we can get a good deal if it's not a hundred plus million maybe we give them a couple of players i don't mm. know uh but Again, Jao Felix seems to fit in well with those three in, in that formation. And uh, he said Kai Havertz would score, and he did. So I need him to make more of those predictions because he he seems to know what's about to happen. Yeah, look, he's another one that's a tenacious player. And he, I think he gives all when he's out there on the pitch, which is good to see. I think maybe if we see the end product of a couple more goals, Rahul will go from maybe the 100 million is not worth it to sign up that boy and let's move forward from there. Like a lot of Chelsea fans are saying that. But let's go into the first half a little bit and talk about it, guys. We we usually control games, at least in the last few months. And when I say control, I mean more in possession-wise. 50, 60, 70% of the ball, other teams with very limited possession, limited touches, and they really steamroll us with a couple of goals, one-two punch knockout, and we just give up. In this particular game, I was looking at it, and again, I have the overall possession for the game. Dortmund had 61% of the ball and we had 39. And I'll say this, it didn't feel like that for the entire game, which is interesting. So, Kamal, I'll come to you. Did you feel like we were not in control of the game? Because for me, with 39% of the ball, we were really controlling and pushing Dortmund around. Yeah, no, that's hugely surprising to me. As you you were saying it, I was just like, that doesn't sound right. That's got to be like fake. Because like you mentioned, it felt like we were in control of the game. We had... The best, <clears throat> by far the better chances. I can only really remember like Jude Bellingham's like snapshot. That's yep. literally all I remember them doing throughout the entire game. Um, so yeah, I felt like we were in control for the most part. And then you know, there's sometimes possession can be misleading. Where mm-hmm. okay, you don't have the ball, but you're still structured. You're still you know doing what you need to do in order to block out, and you know there's no fear at any time. Yeah. So yeah, it didn't feel like it at all. I felt like. It would have, if you had flipped it, it would have made more sense. But no, yeah, and that's where I think the whole discussion comes from. Is without the ball, I think we were fantastic with the pressing, mm-hmm. closing down, finding spaces. Rahul, let's talk a little bit about Raheem Sterling. And I think I'll just summarize this by saying the first twenty odd minutes or so, like Kamal said, chance after chance after chance, and then you go, here we go again, not taking <laughs> the chances. This is not going to work, and they're going to come beat us two 0 Watch what happens. However, Ben Chilwell, who was Bloody fantastic, by the way. Finds a way to get a cross into Raheem Sterling. I'll let you summarize because I think maybe Raheem Sterling is a little lower on the pecking order for you than even Kukureya, but I'll let you give your thoughts there, Rahul. I mean, I, he did get lucky, right? Yep. Because he had two two bites of the cherry. But uh, I think right from the start, he was playing on the shoulder. And that was the plan was we were going to try and find him in space. Uh, and then the first instance was when we found him and he goes one-on-one. And I'm like, just chip him, just chip him. Um, and he decides to, I don't know what he was thinking, but maybe he'd second guessed himself. And I'm like, here we go. This is the Sterling that, you know, is further down <laughs> in the pecking order for me. But the chance comes again. He takes it and he takes it well. And you got to give him credit because he tends to show up in these moments where mm-hmm. we almost don't expect him to because we're like, well, 
he hasn't been what we thought we were going to get. He shows up, he puts a goal in the net, and suddenly that first goal, which was going to be crucial, falls our way thanks to him. So maybe he's gone up a little bit for me, but uh, <laughs> I think on the night he was aggressive, he was yep. determined, he wanted to make things happen, and uh, on another night he could have had a couple more. So I want to see more of that. I want to see yep. what he can do for this team is carry the at- attack and say, you know what, Kai Havertz will float, I'll fill in the gaps, I'll do the the work that needs to be done and finish it because I know he has the knack for, for missing a few before he gets a, a, a goal. So uh, look, it's, it's gone well for him in the last two games and he needs to kick on, like we said, for the other guys. But right now uh, I think Raheem Sterling is, is earning his way back into my books. Yeah. I think we're going to call this episode the turning point because it really is a couple of players that are finding a way to make a difference and turn their careers around or turn the season around for lack of a better word. I want to stick on Raheem for just a minute, Kamal, because he's another one that, just like Rahul said, splits opposition fans about, do we like him? Do we not like him? He's one of our most senior players. And so you Mm -hmm. know that he's got that history, that talent. He's got maybe a winning mentality. And I think one thing I'll say before I pass it over to you is he's used to being in a team that is together, successful, flowing well. Unfortunately for him, he's come into a Chelsea team that's full of turmoil and you figure it out. If this man can figure out the, the plays and stay on side, I feel like you could get a whole lot more goals for Chelsea. Agreed. No, I, I've, I've liked for him for ever since he was like 17, breaking through and like QPR and Liverpool and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he just seems to have like his brain like is like two steps ahead of his like physical action. Um, and I feel like he's he just needs to slow it down a bit because like he I think like he just. He's just too scattergun in, in, in his mind because, like, right. the chance that like Rahul mentioned, he's just too. He's like, you would think the natural instinct is just go for it and, like, pick a corner and go. And he, like, drifts out to the side of the box and, like, holds onto the ball and, like, loses possession. And, yeah, in general, you see a lot of that from him. But in terms of the talent, it's obviously there. Like, obviously, yeah. being an England fan, he's been England's best player for, for years. And it's just, it's not even a debate. It's just so obvious. And, like Rahul mentioned, he shows up in big moments. And, he okay. He maybe doesn't get the praise that or the recognition for that um, because he is so up and down performance wise. Yeah. But when needed, he does show up. It may be like the most scrappy goal, but he will score it. And like you mentioned, he's coming from a system where it's yeah. consistent goals all the time. He's battling for titles. He's won everything there is to win besides the Champions League. Obviously, right. um, I don't think he was expecting to come into such you know, a, a chaotic season. Um, so that's probably affected his form too. But yeah, I, I do like him as a player. And like you mentioned, he's one of the most senior guys. So he's 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 got to lead us. And I think, you know, earlier on there was interviews and, you know, the the play, like the younger players were like, yeah, Raheem is like, you know, like a lateral leader. They they look upon him to, right. to lead the way as, as, a, as a professional more than anything. So yeah, yeah. I, I like him as a player. Yeah, I think that leadership and that, you know, history of winning is going to be very important for Chelsea, especially with such a young squad. So Rahul, try and bump him up in the pecking order. We'll see how that plays. <laughs> and keep that in mind because we'll talk about pecking order a little bit later in the segment here. Uh, first half ends well. I think everybody is overjoyed. And one thing I've noticed, gentlemen, is throughout the last few months when we've struggled, our team goes in for a halftime team talk. And we've made a little bit of fun of this is we have no idea what Graham Potter is saying to them because when they come back after the, the halftime, they look worse than in that first half. I will say when they came out this time around, they looked absolutely fantastic. They looked ready to go. They were energetic. Rahul, I'll come to you. Is it a change in what he's saying or is it just things are finally clicking with the formation, with the win against Leeds, and they're just ready to go again? I, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. In this case, things fell for us. We we did get the goal that we were looking for in the first half and that changes our approach, that changes their approach. Uh, and then... Just to 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 get away from the question for a second, I think Graham Potter in him in himself in this game was fired up. Was oh, yeah. he was a different person than what we've seen in the last month or so, and that makes me wonder. It's like we knew this was a do or die. If we don't win this, we're out. And suddenly it's like everyone's amped up. Kai Havertz is showing up when we we've seen him ghosting for the last month. Uh, Graham Potter is bumping up the crowd, and and even the crowd in itself, like. 
we talk about the atmosphere on a, on a on a Champions League night at at the Bridge, but this is the fifth time I think we've lost the first leg and come back and won the second leg, and that tells you that when it's knockout football, Chelsea Football Club shows up and shows up to 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 progress, uh, and so I think there was a shared and a, a conscious effort to say mm-hmm. we're not going to lose this today. We're going to make sure we go through, especially after being one up. Uh, and I think they came out in the second half and stuck to what they were doing in the first half, which, like you said, pressing, closing them down uh, and frustrating them, really, which was ultimately seen uh, later in, in the second half. But I think Graham Potter did what he had to do in this game to 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 get them fired up and get himself fired up. So I think that worked. And then in the second half, we knew one more goal gets us where we need to be. And we fought hard, uh, got a little bit lucky and and got there. So first of all, thank you for talking about Stamford Bridge. I thought they were phenomenal fans that night. And we, we talked a little bit about the toxicity around Chelsea Football Club. But I think overall, everybody rallied together for this game. And there was no negative or booing similar to what we saw at Leeds or before that at halftime. We found a way to just be positive and enjoy the Champions League night. It felt like the Chelsea fans wanted to just make something happen. And ultimately, that's what happened. But Kamal Rahul was leading up into the penalty incident I think we've all seen what happened. Is it a penalty for you? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it, by the letter of the book, and I'm not trying to be biased, but the letter of the book, it's a handball and that's it. Like, if if his hat, everyone knows that when you're trying to cross in, 99% of players put their hands behind their back. That's that's just what everyone does now. and Because they know if it hits your hand, it's a handball. And I understand he was kind of close and that kind of stuff, but he is turning with his hand out. Um, so, yeah, and you know for a fact it was vice versa. They would have given it against us as well. So, yeah, it's his handball all day long. and You, you can't tell me any otherwise, to be fair. And, and I don't want to. I think you're happy with the decision, <laughs> as many Chelsea fans were. But you talked about you were done with Kai Havertz. He misses that <laughs> penalty. It's something where there's a lot of stress. I want to just do a couple minutes of build up to that just really quickly. Sure. I want to give a little praise to Zhao Felix for a second because I think when I'm seeing the build-up, Zhao Felix is in the middle of that spot, chest puffed, puffed out, ready to take on Dortmund and say, you know what, I'm here, give me all the pressure. And I go to Rahul, I said, I thought Kai Havertz is taking this penalty. And lo and behold, from the corner, Kai kind of strolls in and he's not dealt with any of the mind games and puts the ball down. Rahul, after all of that, still hits the post. Well, it's typical Kai, right? Even even for his <laughs> penalty, he shows up a little bit late. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, like you said, Joe Felix does what he had to. The Dortmund players are fired up and feel like it shouldn't be a penalty. It's given, and I think we knew, because Graham Potter had said in the build-up, Kai Havertz is the first choice penalty right. taker, you know, now that Jorginho is gone. So, um Maybe the Dortmund players didn't, didn't didn't listen to that, but <laughs> anyway, Kai Havertz steps up right, and I'm like, "Come on, this is this is there's no other way for him to score and do his famous like celebration <laughs> to the crowd." Um, and I'm I'm just waiting for it, and he hits a post, and I think I had the same reaction as Kamal. I'm like, "What else does this man have to do to score? Like he can't even score from the spot." Um, and I was at work, so I'm watching on my phone, and I look away, and suddenly I'm like, "Wait, we're retaking this? Like what what happened?" Uh, so that's where I was like, I think we got a little bit lucky, but again, the rules were applied the right way Mm -hmm. and and we got to credit the referees for that. Uh, and I got to give credit to Kai Havertz for doing the same thing the second time around, just getting it in the net this time. Um, so hopefully this is a turning point for him, but (laughs) I, I, I wouldn't bet on it just yet. Kamal, do you think Kai Havertz had the bravery and maybe the mental strength to take a couple of breaths and retake that penalty and maybe even further put it in the same exact spot yeah it takes some guts let's let's be real i I mean in the moment you know he at the end of the game he said in the interview like you know um when that happened he felt like this is just not my day you know he was like uh it's gonna be again but credit to the players as well because i think like enzo and everyone else was just like come on you you got this we you know we believe in you and those little things definitely help and Kai, Kai mentioned himself in the interview too. Like he lives for those kind of moments, um, and it's it's evident just based on his career so far. You know, like he yeah. he scored the the winning penalty in the what was the Club World Cup. Um, yeah. The the thing that that bothered me most was the technique. I, I hate the whole stutter step and wait. It's <laughs> it's so 
obviously it's going to sound so cliche, but it is very hit and miss. And I think in the one in the Club World Cup, he didn't do that. It was just more of a like smack it. And so that's what, when he did the same thing again, I'm like, oh my God. Like there was a split second. I was like, all right, he's going to miss or the keeper's going to save it. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm obviously delighted for the, for the boy that he got it off his chest and was able to like step up and take it again. Because, you know, we've seen it happen before years ago when Frank Lampard had to do it like three times against West Ham. So it's to do it again. It's, I don't think I can do it personally because I, I don't know what I'll do. It's like the split mind. Do you go the same yep. way? What, you know, just the indecisions, but <laughs> it paid off. Yeah, nice little throwback to Frank there. Because if you talk oh, about sure. penalty takers, that that man was absolutely brilliant. That West Ham incident was was absolutely brilliant. Rahul, yeah. you know, we talked about being good for a little bit of the game, at least previous games. This didn't go first. We hit the post. It's an offside. We're unlucky. We're not finishing. There's a little bit of air and luck there, where we kind of figured out something went had to go for us. You see Raheem Sterling miss the kick. It goes in. Kai Havertz misses the penalty. Referee calls it back. He gets the second one. We kind of work. And Jude Bellingham's miss was, I think, any other day, any other night, he doesn't miss that one, right? We talked about that a little bit. Are we finally getting some luck from the footballing gods? Is this where we talk about it's written in the stars? <laughs> Are we ready to go that far? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Look, we. it's been a month where we should have scored in certain games and we should have been getting at least one point, if not three, you look at even though this game away in Germany, we were, I think Kamal said at the top, hit the post two two or three times. The goalkeeper is man of the match. So yes, I think things fell for us in this game and and not for them. Uh, But you make your own luck in a sense that we were the better side over the Mm -hmm. 180 minutes. We were the team that came out to say, you know what, we want to we want to progress no matter what's happening in the Premier League. We want to be the better team here and, and make it through. Uh, and you got to give the, the boys credit for that because we came into this game with horrible form. I mean, one win out of the last seven, eight, nine games. Right. Uh, and D- Dortmund, I think, came in with the best form in Europe. I think they were beat unbeaten yep. in like 18 games or something like that. So th- it shows you that this team can turn it on and this team can click when they, they want to. But that brings up the question that is this more all about knockout football where, you know, if you, you're playing in a game where if you don't win or you don't get the result, you're going home versus in the Premier League game where you know you have next weekend or you have right. a midweek fixture where, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll recover and we'll fix it. So uh, maybe that's a, a discussion for another day, but I'm almost wondering, like, We've won the Champions League twice in a season where we were horrible in the Premier League. Mm. We're coming into this season where I think after the first game, we were expecting, not sure what's going to happen, and we we turn it around. And of course, it all depends on the draw, and, and we need the luck, but you never know with this team. So you're trying to go for written in the stars already, right? <laughs> I, I, no, I listen, would not complain if if that's what happens. <laughs> listen, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I thought it was a fantastic night. But let's talk a little bit more about a couple of things that happened on the night. I want to talk about substitutions, but not all of them. Maybe a couple of specific ones. Christian Pulisic is back and made a few minutes in the game. Do you guys rate Christian Pulisic? Do you think he has a chance to build back on his career here? We talked about turning points. Kamal, I'll come to you I on think, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, I, I think you should definitely ask Kamal about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Rahul laughing as soon as you asked the question. Um, do I rate Christian Pulisic? That's, that's, yes, talent talent is there. It's, it's, he's like the most inconsistent player mm. I, I've seen, and that's just being real. The substitution to me was so mind-baffling. Like, I don't know what Mudrik's done to deserve the quote-unquote treatment he's received because... Pulisic just came back from injury right. and hasn't played in like four months. And he's just like thrown on against his old team. Uh, what? It's like, I'm just so confused by it because it like where he's just been training for like a week, if if that. And so to me, the whole substitution was super confusing because, you know, Madrid, okay, he hasn't played properly since November. However, he's played for us in, you know, in little snippets here and there. Yeah. So for that reason alone, I was just like, this makes no sense. Um, however, to answer your question, yeah, I, I do think like 
it's probably unfortunate for Christian because there's just now anyway there's just an overabundance of attacking mm-hmm. players. Like I don't rate Callum Hudson Lloyd, but he's coming back, and yeah. then we still got Ziyech. We still got you know what happens with Joao, then Kai and Mount, and there's there's so many players. So I don't know. It's probably unfortunate for him that he got injured because. You know, Potter probably would have used him. I think he was using him quite a fair bit, to be fair. Yeah. So, who knows? But I don't know. Like this, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Let, let's open the, the let's open the Mudrik discussion, guys, because I think yeah. it's an important one to have. Rahul, I'll come to you for this particular one, and we'll go back to Kamal to get thoughts on it as well. People have compared the Mudrik thing to Christian Pulisic. That's why I kind of opened it with both of them. Frank Lampard took a little bit of time to integrate Christian Pulisic into his starting 11. And then, of course, Project Restart comes around and you're like, where has this guy been all, all along? I'm not sure if that's the same thing Graham Potts is doing or there's something going on in the back of, of training. Is there something he needs to do differently to get into the starting 11? Or are you saying, look, we won 2-0, we progressed, Graham Potts did something right for the first time? I mean, I... I, I share what's the sentiment of Kamal's thing, right? Woodrick is more in in form. I say that in quotes because mm-hmm. he's he's ahead at least in fitness. But I think this was a clear message to Woodrick: is mm-hmm. you need to be better. You've you've shown us what you can do in that Liverpool game, but since then, and and I know the chances have been limited. He did start against Fulham, I believe, and the whole Kukurea incident happened against West Ham. Uh, but it's almost like. Like Woodrick's tattoo says, talent ain't enough. He's got to work harder in training. He's got to work harder when he gets the chances. And I think it just comes down to, we had, like Kamala saying, we just have too many options right now. So Graham Potter is kind of trying to keep everyone happy. And you know Pulisic will, will write a book about the fact that he didn't get to play if he doesn't come <laughs> on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I think Woodrick most likely will feature this weekend in some mm-hmm. capacity because he's had almost a week off again I say that in quotes but uh, when he does get that opportunity I think we we all want to see more because we know yeah. he's got it he can do it uh, so maybe this was a, a just a slight message to him that just work harder come on you agree with that yeah yeah in essence you know you can't really complain because okay I was still baffled by the decision however it's not like Christian was bad and did anything terribly wrong to jeopardize the team or the performance um, besides losing the ball for the corner when he was trying to hold on to it, I was like, oh my God, like if this leads to something, I'm going to lose my mind. But yeah, overall, you can't really complain. Like Rafa said, it's been, you know, we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he's not applying himself as best as he should. And maybe Christian came in from injury, was like super determined right. and super, you know, just doing his thing. So yeah, it's unfortunate for both of them really, because they both play in the same position. Right. So as does Sterling, and like I mentioned just a minute ago, it's there's, it's not really, you can't really complain because everything's what well, everything quote unquote it's been just two weeks, but two games sorry, and it's working. So you need to find some consistency. Yep, and I think like you guys have said is maybe sending a message or maybe if you're going to stick with a starting eleven, you have to go that extra mile in training or when you come on and get the chances, really take them with both hands and show what you can do. So. We'll see how it evolves from there, guys. I want to talk about the end-of-game antics. Jude Bellingham, Raheem Sterling, teammates in England, but horrible tackle towards the end. I haven't heard much news on it since then, but Kamal, is it just frustration at the end of the game, or is Jude trying to do something different there? I don't think Jude has that kind of bone in his body to deliberately mm. cause harm. Again, I can't say for sure, but he's still young. He's only 19. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm 34, and... I would have like, wanted to smash into someone at the end of the game because you, you know you're about to lose and it's like you're about to get knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah. So you make rash decisions. Um, and, but the tackle at reset at the end was just like, oh, it was it was bad. And, you know, you're thinking, even Thiago Silva, in, like if you saw his yeah. video in the stands, was like, that's my fullback. Like, you don't you don't do anything <laughs> like that. And especially when it's Reese, because let's be real, he's been so played with injury because you're like, mm-hmm. if... Seriously, like the 97th minute, you're going to do something like that and potentially jeopardize the rest of the season. Thank God, as far as I know, nothing's happened as a result. Yep. But yeah, I think it was just one of those, all right, you know, this is, I'm, I'm just I'm smashing into you because 
I'm just annoyed. I'm frustrated. As a teenager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rahul, he came out afterwards and had a very good conference. He was pretty level-headed and said Chelsea were better on the day. I'm summarizing, but that's what it came out with. But he then comes out and says the penalty was a joke or the penalty retake was a joke. Do you think it's more of him losing his head again there? Or I think we've discussed it a little bit. Is there? Does he any have any points in that one there? I mean, like I said, the rules are the rules and... There were players in the box from both teams even before Kai hits that that penalty. So if it was the other way around, he would he would want it for his team. Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't really expect him to say anything else. But you know, it was a joke, and and I think they weren't happy with the referee overall. It's it's whatever. We we win the game. They can they can go back to Germany, and and Jude's probably going to end up back in England in the summer anyway. Um, but yeah. I was very upset with that tackle on Reese, and I think any <laughs> other player gets tackled like that, and I'm okay. But I think it's because Oof. it's Reese James, uh, because it's the history that we've had with him yep. going out, and you know we're about to win this game anyway. So if that's what goes wrong there with Reese James, or suddenly it's a whole different feeling for the rest of yep. the rest of the season. So um, luckily, nothing happened. I, I'm, I'm okay with you know the 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 spat that he had with um, yeah. Chilwell. Uh, that's more like verbal. I mean, you're England teammates and, and you know, that's fine. But that tackle was, again, on Reese James. Come on, man. you Just just aim it at anyone else. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, <laughs> I'm strong enough to take that on any of my other players. But Reese James is way too close to my heart for me to, to see that happen. Rahul secretly telling me he wants Raheem Sterling to get that injury. And not <laughs> I'll, skip, I'll skip over that for just a second. I want to talk a bit more about the end of game antics. In this case, some positive antics. The Todd father, as we, we lovingly re- refer to him over here, is seen hugging Sonny Boy Graham Potter, maybe holding a beer and said, come see me afterwards for a beer. Are those scenes, Kamal, that you're happy to see? And then the tough question, has Graham Potter bought himself some time here? Well, yes to both. Um you know, because it was, I can't pronounce his name, but was, I'm just going to say Mr. Vice. He was there too. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see ownership be involved in that. In that, Like, you would see Roman, like, here and there, this, like, going way before the visa stuff. Like, he would, he would be at all the games, and you would see him, like, interact with, like, the players and show emotion. And, yeah, I like, I like seeing that. And with to answer your question about time, to be fair, I feel like he would have got it no matter what. Okay. Um, all the signs were just saying, let's just play out the season and go from there. There was no real indication to show, you know, yeah, that he was going to get sacked. The Leeds one, perhaps, like if that had gone south, then who really knows? But deep down, I felt like no matter what, Potter was going to get the time, you know, just to see it out. But yeah, it's nice to see him, you know, be like, listen, that's that's my guy. And, you know, just just back him in the the physical sense like we got this you know we're going to enjoy this moment and move on from here yeah i enjoyed it i like it yeah i think you look at all of the questions that come in post game where it's like have you spoken to the owner i think they don't need to ask that question anymore <laughs> they're seeing hugging and embracing rahul potter in that, that that's a heavy question right there <laughs> look it's i think for everything that we've said in the last month He's done what we were expecting in the in the in the two games is switch it to a back three, play play to the strength of your two best players in, in Reese James and Ben Chilwell. And then things have fallen in place, at least with you know, with the other team missing chances. But we've done our job, and I can say happily that even if we didn't win this game, I can say that we put in an effort enough to to show that we're Chelsea, right? We get the result, we move on. What we were not seeing in the last few games, at least a month ago, was it was just like we were just showing up and expecting to win. And and that's not what you want when you're a Chelsea fan or any other fan, to be honest. But mm-hmm. we've seen a little more effort. We've seen a little more passion. We've seen the players care. We've seen the manager care. Todd Bowley obviously cares. But um, I think for now, Potter in because, I mean, like, what else are we going to do? We're going to fire him after these two wins. Uh, let him do what he needs to do. Uh, clearly, the players are performing for him, which is which mm-hmm. is a positive. So let him do what he needs to do. I think the key thing now is we have to kick on, and we can't go to Leicester away and and be average or just not care. We have to kick on. We have two games before the international break. Win those two, and you come back for the rest of the season with a whole different feeling than than what we've had for the last six weeks or so. 
yeah, gentlemen, well said. I think time will tell where everything lands. And obviously, the ownership is backing him. The fans are still on the fence, some of them for, some of them against, some of them absolutely no clue where this way is going to go. So we sit, we watch, and hopefully things go from there. But the positive is we're moving on in the Champions League, which is the most important thing at this point in time. So absolutely happy for that. Let's and transition. And Tottenham are not, so <laughs> we, can t- we can take some happiness further over there. But let's transition into the women's game. Rahul, I know we didn't get a chance to watch this. There's a lot going on, but maybe you can give us a little recap of what happened there. Absolutely. So we, I mean, last episode, we were talking about how the men win and the, the women don't win. In this case, both of them get the win. Uh, the women had to because of what happened over the weekend, losing to Arsenal in the Conti Cup final. They come back and Emma Hayes makes seven changes with... Three in the back four, goalkeeper change. Uh, Melanie Leopold comes back in midfield, first start uh, post-pregnancy, which is great. And so we, I mean, we expected a response and we definitely got it. We end up going 3-1 against Brighton uh, at home. A goal early in the first half from Guru Wright and a penalty. Jess Carter gets another one about 10 minutes or so later. Uh, and then Joanna Wright and Kinnear finishes it off in, in the 71st minute. We do concede, which I'm sure Emma Hayes will not be too pleased about. But we're back on track. We have a massive game this weekend against table toppers in, in United. But this is what we want to see. We want to see them come back, show us a response. And I think Emma Hayes, like had, she had said over the weekend, uh, we're not going to be this bad uh, with like we were against Arsenal over the weekend. And, and I truly believe it because she's she's a mentality monster. She really is. She's something else, and she wants to let everybody know that when things go wrong, absolutely within the next game, not the next week, next month, there's no project here. When I say it's going to go right, it's going to go right. So good on her. Kamal, have you had a chance to kind of hear some of the interviews of Emma Hayes? And there's a lot of talk about her maybe progressing into the men's game. And I, and I don't. I want to say this just as my opinion. I don't think she needs to prove herself to progress into the men's game. I think she's done all of that. But what do you make of Emma Hayes overall? I think Emma Hayes just epitomizes everything that Chelsea stand for. Um, she just gets it, and she she's you know she she just gets it. Like when it comes to winning, okay, it's taken her some time to establish that, and people forget that when you know everyone when the whole Potter discussion was happening, everyone was like, "Oh, Emma Hayes, you know they say you're not Chelsea, you're not good enough, you're going to leave." But at the same time, it took her a while to win some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and with backing and time, and it just proves the whole project aspect of things. But as as fans, we're fickle, right? We don't really want mm-hmm. that. We, we're used to the modern-day Chelsea just winning things consistently. And fair play to Emma Hayes and the team. They win things consistently. So it's, you know, um, she she is she's just epic. When it comes to the men's side, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think, you know, I think there was that that period where she was, like, interviewing with AFC Wimbledon, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um and going from the best of the best in the women's game to a team that's battling relegation in League One would have been perhaps an insult to what she's capable of. Um, but the men's game is so different. It's so, you know, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It is sexist to a, to a point as well. Um, there's a lot of, of that, you know, in it as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think she needs to prove anything. And I think she's content because there's one thing she hasn't done with the women yet is win the Champions League if I'm not mistaken right so I think she's got that on her bucket list and maybe once that's done maybe she'll entertain you know the right job if it came about and if someone was actually willing to pull the trigger yeah look I hope she stays with us for a very very long time Champions League or not because like you said the mentality that she brings is she just gets it she wants to win every game week in week out no matter who we're playing when we're playing what the tournament is. And I think if you're looking at the Chelsea system overall, you want that kind of ideology just flowing through us. So absolutely buzzing for them. Let's transition back into the Premier League. We're playing Leicester away and Brendan Rodgers, who is a familiar face and we know what he brings to Chelsea as well. Rahul, do you want to share a couple of high-level insights with us around Leicester? Sure. So... Uh, we go away to Leicester. They've won just one of their last six home games against Chelsea, which bodes well for us. Uh, the last one was winning 2-0 in January of 2021. Uh, they lost the same fixture last season, 3-0. And I think if you remember, that was when it was early November. We were flying. Reese James and Ben Chilwell were doing their thing. 
uh, and then since then things things changed. Uh, this is we're trying to complete our first league double over them since 2016 2017, wow. which is quite a long time ago if you think yeah. about it. Uh, and you'll see the likes of Ben Chilwell, who's going back uh, to the King Power Stadium, and Golo Conte. I know he's back in training. I don't know if he's going to be on the bench, but if he's there, he'll be traveling back. And uh, I, this game always reminds me of that Mourinho game where he comes out and he's like, you know, I prepared them and they didn't do what I wanted, and ultimately he gets fired. But there's just a little bit of history with us and them in the last few seasons where we helped them win the league. Uh, they've beaten us in the FA Cup final. So. It's it's going to be a tough game. I think what they did to Tottenham a few weeks ago uh, is playing on my mind. Of course, we're not Tottenham and we don't bottle it, but we're also the Chelsea of this season and not past season. So uh, it's a tough one. They're fighting for their lives. I think they're they're sitting close to the bottom, if not, uh, you know, there. So we have to go in there with the right mentality, with the right attitude. Uh, but let's talk about the 11 and, and if we go with the back three, back four, and, and how Graham Potter tries to maneuver this game. So, Kamal, first question for you. Are we sticking with the 3-4-3 or he's going to change? Yeah, no. Now at this point, he's got to stay stay with it. Find some consistency. Just play out the rest of the season with it, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, it's, it's clearly working, especially because you're probably going to have Badia Shile coming back. Um, mm. The centre-back partnership has just been... Fantastic. Fofana's going back to Leicester, so I'm sure he's going to hear it. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so it's you got you got to stay with what's working, right? Um, I know we want to rotate a little bit for for you know just depth as well as rotation and fitness. But with that being said, you know for the likes of Reese James, I don't see him being rested. I mean, unless you're playing Trevor there, perhaps. Um, you know, Enzo's played every single game. Do you give him a rest? Like, I, I don't know. But in terms of actual s- system and schematics, I think you you stick with that. And then obviously chop and change with numbers. Yep. So I grabbed a few names from what you said there. So Fafana, Kulabali, and Badiashil as the centre-back pairing. Reese James on the far right. Rahul Benchilwell taking that left wing-back spot for you? I think so. That That would be the right move. Okay, and Enzo has played every game, so he stays. Who's partnering him? Is it Kovacic again, or somebody else comes in? I think Kovacic, because he didn't play the full game. So I know he's still working his way back to fitness, but I think I would play him, uh, unless Loftus-Cheek comes in, which would be okay too. But I, I would rather just go with Enzo and Kovacic. Trying to build that first team 11. We know Kai Havertz starts every game, no matter what happens. <laughs> so Kai up top. Uh, Kamal, are you going with Jao Felix and Sterling to partner him, or are you looking for someone else? Honestly, um, most realistically, it's probably going to be that. I would like to see, you know, like perhaps I would like to see Mudrick play at some point. If and if uh, more, I think the gut is telling me it's probably going to be a sub, but I'd probably stick with it. It's just the formation, the last the formation lineup, the last two games have worked. Let's see if you can just do it again and go for three in a row, and then you know that this is cohesive, if it does work. Because, mm. well, we can have five subs, so there's nothing to panic about. Fair enough. So we're going to go with the almost same starting 11 as Champions League, just bringing Badia Shield into the centre-back pairing. Rahul, I'll come to you first. Scoreline prediction, are we getting the third win in the row? Yes. You, you didn't sound very confident there, my friend. <laughs> No, I was trying to think the last time we won three in a row. <laughs> and I, I really couldn't. That's why I was like slowly answering you. I, I can't think about when the last time we won three. Remember, we said this goal. is the turning point. This is the time where things true. have to go our way. So be that's a little true. confident. Right, Give me your scoreline prediction. Let's turn it around and let's go with a 1-0. One 1-0. Nil. One nil. I'll take it. Look, three three wins on the road. I'm, I'm on the bounce. I'm going to take it. Kamal, are you as confident as Rahul with 1-0 or are you going to go a little bit more? I'm going two now. Uh, I do th- but Leicester. I, I don't rate Leicester this season at all. Um, but knowing, I probably shouldn't have said that. But that's probably <laughs> going to come back to bite us in some way. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, I don't rate. But again, I'm saying all these things. I'm just like I probably should keep quiet because typical Charles. We never know something could happen. Um, because like you mentioned, they are fighting for their lives, yeah. and they did just turn over Tottenham. So Leicester always those tricky ones. You never know what Leicester you're going to get. Um, but yeah, I do think. I do think 2-0, just based on you know, the whole point of this episode, turning point, I do think we have turned the corner a little bit. 
and I do think defensively anyway, I think we're solid now. So, so I think, yeah, I think we can get some, some goals. That's going to be exciting. Two nail, Rahul, one nail. I'm going to be a little more adventurous and go for three. And you guys are all going to stare at me and be like, when are we going to get three goals? But look, we did two against Dortmund, Leicester, struggling side. We need to kind of kick off from here and build from here. And I think we can do it. So three nil for me. Hopefully I'm not going to get ashamed in the next episode here, but Rahul, I'll pass it over to you to take us home. I just have one question for you before we, we wrap it up. Champions League draw is next week, but since Kamal's here, anyone in particular you want in the next round? And I can I can share who's made it through so far. Obviously, so we have uh, Bayern just beat PSG today. Milan made it through against Tottenham and ben, Benfica have won as well. Uh, so those are four teams, including us, uh, that are definitely in the next round. And currently the way things stand, Inter would be going through. Man City or Leipzig, they're tied 1-1 on aggregate. Napoli would be going through and Real Madrid. Napoli scare the heck out of me. Um, <laughs> I do think they're one of those teams that are just like on fire right now. However, the Serie A is so weird. Like I don't really, I'm not really scared of the Serie A in complete honesty. Um, sorry, got a weird technical issue here. Um, but yeah, so I do think who I would want out of all that, it'd probably be AC Milan, to be fair, because we've beaten them twice this season. And I don't rate them as highly as I as they did in the past. So they're probably my pick. Perhaps Benfica after that. Because we've got Enzo, so that'll be like a nice little narrative. Um, but yeah, I think AC yeah. Milan, I don't, I don't... Them or Inter, to be fair, I don't rate either of them. Now that he said that, we'll we'll have to see how it goes. But, uh, <laughs> we'll probably no, get Madrid. Right. Them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't want to see Madrid again. But hey, at least we're in the in the conversation, which which I'm mm. happy about. Jackie AC Milan for you, maybe a reunion against again with Giroud and Tamori. Yeah, it'd be nice to play, like he said, the likes of AC Milan or Benfica. I think it'd be a fun one to play into Milan. Maybe see Romelu Lukaku again and see what he's up to over there. That might be a good team to play against as well if they make it past Porto. But it's it's what I say always always every season, and hopefully we can say it next season as well. In Europe, I think you have to play the best to be the best. So at some point, we will play everybody. But at this stage, yeah, maybe Inter Milan would be a fun match to watch. Yeah, def- definitely. And I, I'm going to say Porto. I'm going to say they're going to knock Inter out, and then we can we can face them and kind of recreate the path from 2021. Uh, but that wraps it up guys thank you very much for tuning in uh, please continue to subscribe like and follow us uh, it's at the premier Chels on all podcast providers instagram and on twitter it's at premier Chels. drop kamala follow to it's at lumps of cfc on twitter uh, and we will be back with the review episode of leicester and a preview of everton the following weekend but until then stay safe and up the Chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.